Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And we want to start the show today by bringing you a very important announcement, probably the most important announcement that we've had on this show, I would think. Would you say? Would you agree? It's up there. We don't announce a lot of stuff on this show. So that's like we announce a lot of stuff on Campus Life. We don't we don't announce too much over on this half of things. So that's I'd fair. have to go way back through the archives, all 105 episodes to figure that out. That's fair. But I, I think it's probably the, the biggest uh, announcement we've had on this show. And if you are an NIL member and you've listened to The Collective, uh, which is an NIL only podcast where we, we give a lot of behind the scenes looks. So it seems to be really what people really, uh, really like. But if you listen to the collective, you are already aware, but we are making the announcement publicly. Austin, at the end of this month, will be leaving Canton Bound. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll be sticking on with Campus Life. Uh, that yeah. show is not going yeah. anywhere. I think we would have to pry that out of your cold, dead hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's okay. there's a 0% chance I'm leaving that anytime soon. Yeah. Um, no, staying on Campus Life. Staying on Debbie Debate, Better Sports, all the stuff I usually do for the site. Canton Bound was just one thing too many. So we're, we're finally getting rid of it here. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You've been angling to get rid of this show for a while now. Yeah, you've, been, you're, you've been checked out of this show oh, for maybe on, like, no. you know, 40 checked episodes. Out. Checked out. Come on. What does it even really mean? Checked out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be used to doing one show a week here, but it is uh, it's a sad day because we've done, but 140 ish campus lifes, 105 Canton bounds today. And plus, you know, a smattering of other shows that we did the conference preview series. So that's probably like another 15 or so. We're so. up to, I think, at least 260 <laughs> to 270 episodes between the, the two ends of the podcast. And, and obviously, you know, we've had vacations and things, but right. So, you know, at least, probably at least 200 and 200 to 220 of them were together. All together. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, and we'll still be doing the other one, but uh, th this show is not going anywhere. Canton Bound will still be uh, sticking to its normal schedule. It'll be me. Uh, and then we are still figuring some things out behind the scenes, but we're thinking probably matt is going to uh work in and with me and and take over which should surprise really nobody because i i he's frequently the person i call when when austin is not here yeah i think we'll still have a good crew and we're still yeah we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do host with host wise of that show not that mm -hmm. not that this hasn't been going on behind the scenes for about four months and we we've had some time <laughs> <laughs> figure that out when i say austin's been checked out of the show for a while i don't mean like actually checked out but like we've been talking about this for a little while yeah, i've i told i've told the group months ago that i could no longer do the show um i actually think initially i broached that subject last year and said at the mm -hmm. end of the nfl season i wanted to be done it is now you did. Mm -hmm. june 22nd 2023 so <laughs> uh that did not go it's been over six months <laughs> um so we're still working on that but uh we'll figure it out but we yeah are. in the meantime or whatever happens it'll be colin and somebody else 
and um, bringing you the same show that you know and love, just with a little less snark, which is really, yeah. I think, the reason most people like this show. I mean, I like to think that, you know, it's uh, it's just the content and the, you know, how informative we are and, and the takes. But, you know, I think the the snark and the uh, back and forth uh, that we have, the banter is, is probably a contributing factor to why people enjoy the show. I haven't said I had an intelligent take on this show. I don't know, man. March, February. It's been a while. Um, so I'm just impressed you're giving yourself that much credit. I, I give myself a little credit. I think well, I was really banging the drum for Auk. When was that? That's probably the last really good call I had on this <laughs> show. <laughs> that, I, 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 sadly enough, and I mean, I would have to check the archives. I'm pretty sure that's like that. I think that was like at the very end of the season. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a little while. So yeah. you guys will be in good hands, and you're not getting rid of me. So. Yeah. Yeah, but the show, like said, the show's not going anywhere. We're still going to bring you some NFL content. You know, we know this is our only NFL-centric show on the network right now. You know, we have some Debbie stuff. We have some CFF stuff. Uh, the official, we have future freshmen. And this is uh, this is our NFL pod, and it's not going anywhere. Because it's there's two sides of a campus to can't lead. You got to have your NFL news. Exactly. Uh, but all right, we are going to get into. I you didn't cry at all, which bothers me a little bit. Uh, I mean, you're actually you smiled the whole time you talked about this. I did, yeah. Um, you sick bastard. But you know, I mean, it's it's not the last episode. You'll be you'll be here next. Oh, week that's true. The, the tears maybe, will flow next week. Yeah, it hasn't hit me yet. It, it doesn't feel real because you've been talking about it for so long. It feels like, well, Austin will just be here again. You know. Maybe maybe next week. Maybe we'll tell him we couldn't find anybody, so he has to stay on. Because yeah. that's how they've gotten me for the past six months, for the record. We're trying <laughs> to find somebody, Austin. We just can't find anybody. And I'm like, <laughs> you guys aren't even trying. <laughs> uh, but all right, so this show, your, your penultimate show, we are going to talk about some of the top NFL free agents that are still available. Their short-term, long-term outlook's going to be uh, and then we're going to appease Austin. We'll do some Debbie talk here. We're going to talk about the 2024 rookie class, the projected 2024 rookie class. People can always go back. And the projected 2025 rookie class uh, and compare and contrast the two. But before... you're like, I'm like a dog that you're about to put down and the dog doesn't know it. So you're like feeding them steak and stuff. That's what this feels like right now. <laughs> Not it, good. Yeah, it, it kind of is. You're going to get your last meal next week. It'll be it'll be something good. Some, frisbee something in, cooked frisbee in the park, a long walk, a piece of yeah. chocolate. Yeah, because why not? What know? a good last at yeah. that point. <laughs> What's the chocolate gonna do? Kill it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always just been a very funny concept to me that people give their dogs chocolate like on the day they're about you know they're about to put them down or whatever. It's like, I mean, it makes sense. Just like it does. Yeah, it's a treat, a unique treat. Um, but all right, before we get into the show here, we'll just uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, over at campuscanton.com, pre-orders for the freshman guide are live. That is, or the CFF guide, I'm sorry. The CFF guide is going to be out July 1st. So that's what, like two weeks? 
two. It's like nine days, and I haven't edited any of it yet. So oh, nine days. My next week's about to be real fun. <laughs> so when you try to weasel your way out of uh, of next week's episode, and you do your Irish goodbye off of this one, and I that'll won't. be the reason. I won't because I just promised that next, like, there's now an actual end in sight, as uh, opposed to you guys just stringing me along um for months and months and months which by the way i try has i think irreparably damaged my relationship with some of you who have made empty promises uh along the way but we won't get into that tonight i mean i feel like that was directed at at me definitely not going to air my grievances next week on my way out the door i would never (laughs) (laughs) uh if you're listening austin's employer uh he would never do that no definitely definitely not going to burn any bridges he would quit he would quit with grace um yeah the cff guide nine days nine days till it hits your inbox so go ahead and pre-order that for twenty dollars over there uh that will be in your inbox on july 1st as soon as it is released and then we talked about it on some shows uh we've talked about it for a while now but we are partnered with home field apparel my shirts finally came uh i'm very excited i did finally wear it this week and you know i hadn't on uh when we talked about it on on campus life but i did wear it very comfortable. I wore it yesterday. Um, 4th of July is coming up. And I think Mike does a really good uh, impromptu ad read on there this week where he was talking about, you know, all the dads out there grilling for the 4th of July, rocking that uh, old school vintage college apparel. Retro. Retro. It's retro. We've all had this discussion, Colin. Retro, not vintage. I, I actually genuinely do not recall this discussion. Okay. Well, I'll probably now check you know. out. Yeah, now you, yeah, retro. Now, asshole. Retro apparel over there. But anyway, this this got this got way off the rails. Um <laughs> we have a partnership with Home Field Apparel. Promo code campus two Canton. Campus the number two Canton for 15% off of your orders is good for first time customers over there. But like Austin has said, keep reusing. So, or keep creating some email addresses. You can always get that deal. Uh, buy something for 4th of July coming up. Into the show. Top free agents still available. There's a lot of big names out there, actually. It's like a, a who's who from like 2019. Uh, we have DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, some of the top guys. I mean, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan's still available, but I don't think we really care that much about them. But these other guys, I think these guys can still provide some short-term fantasy value depending on where they end up. We'll start with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, He's visited a number of different teams. The Patriots were the last one that I heard he visited. Do you have any thoughts on what his short-term outlook is going to be for this season for DeAndre Hopkins. Is he somebody that you would be interested in or are you shying away at this point? Define interested in, Colin. I don't know what his current value is. So that, first off, makes it <laughs> difficult for me to answer the question. And I'm not giving you a hard – like I, I literally – like I don't know like if you're doing like a startup today – like what round does he go in or, you know, the best ball. I know people use a lot of the best ball ADP because that he seems to be a truer sense of, of current player value. Um, I would say yes, probably. I, w- I would assume his value has gone really, really low. Um, I don't even care what offense he goes to. 
did we did we forget the team that he's the teams that he's played on in his career and he's still been like very very good i think he'll be fine wherever i actually see people hating on the titans as a spot i would actually love the titans as a spot because i still think we get at least one year of Tannehill there and i think Tannehill can support burks and hopkins a little bit like i think they can both neither of them will be a wide receiver one i think those days are behind hopkins um but i think they can both be pretty good there as really the only two receiving options on the team and then you just have derrick henry in the backfield and very consolidated uh market share overall interesting that's the first pro titans argument that i've heard in a while um Tannehill definitely wouldn't be the worst quarterback deandre hopkins has ever played with like you said there's been a litany of subpar teams and quarterbacks that he has been on uh i i think in terms of landing spots the titans are fine patriots are fine obviously everybody's hoping for the chiefs like that's what everybody wants or the bills everybody you know seems to be hyping up those two i feel like at this point in his career though he is going to want to go to a contender i mean i know we kind of had that talk a little bit with dalvin cook and we can talk about that next um but I, I feel like he's going to go to a contender. But I do agree with you. I think that he still has value right now. And I do think he's going, uh, he is being undervalued. People are writing him off like, you know, he's late career Julio Jones, where I think, you know, DeAndre Hopkins still probably has like another two years left, depending on where he ends up. Two years? Yeah, I could see that. That seems reasonable. Um I really hope. I mean, I, I I just don't like New England, so I really hope he doesn't go there. But that's fair. That's fair. Anywhere else, I'd be fine with. I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know. Two years feels reasonable. He's only thirty-one. He doesn't have that kind of game that is like reliant one hundred percent on athleticism. So I think he'd be okay for another two years. So if I'm a contender, I think I still go out and get him. Um, at this point, while he's still cheap. You know, uh, moving on, though, we got several running backs here. Dalvin Cook, we talked about him a little bit before. I think you were right. I, I do tend to agree with you. I think he's probably looking to go to a contender, too. He reportedly is not in a rush to sign anywhere. Um, but do we think Dalvin Cook still has another year or two of RB2 level production in him? Yes, I do, actually. Um I don't have a good sense for where he's going to go, though. But I know Adam Schefter keeps seeming to want to make the Jets happen. Obviously, if he goes there. But I think I think Dalvin wants to go to a place where he can be the guy. And I think the Jets very clearly would not be a spot that he would be the guy, even if you don't think that much of Brees Hall. I, he's not going to get that full backfield to himself. So he almost feels like a guy that you wait for somebody to blow their Achilles out or something in August and then he swoops in and and captures the backfield for himself. That's kind of what I'm picturing. If I have him on a contender, I think you just have to hold on to him because you're not getting anything for him now. No. I have a C2C league where I've been a top two or three team in the league for the past three or four years and I have Dalvin and I don't even know what I would get for him. Like, I, I'm like, do, do I even sell him? Like, what would I even get for him? I, I literally don't think I could really get that much for him at all. No, I don't think you could get what his value would be to a team if you are, a you know, a contender. Um, 
you know, you could probably get like a mid supplemental pick for him, but I think he's worth more than that. You know, I think you could probably get like a fifth, fourth round supplemental pick, but I would probably want maybe a little bit more if I'm selling. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What would you trade him for players straight up? Like what are some? Oh man, I think you would have a hard time trading him for somebody with like two, with like a, a decent Debbie outlook. To be honest, um, you would probably have to be aiming for somebody who's like maybe like a Devi long shot type of a guy, a guy that, you know, we had hope for at one point and, you know, for whatever one reason or another, they their stock has has dropped. Um, just trying off the top of my head, you could like, like a Kendall Milton, you could probably get him for him, but I don't know that I would necessarily want. Oh that, man, see, I would rather have Dalvin. I would too. But how much better of a player do you think you could get in terms of Debbie? I mean, I don't think Dalvin. I would not consider Dalvin Cook a stud anymore, mm-hmm. because there's no real long term value there. So, mm-hmm. I would be okay with selling him for something that I think he's just really going to help me on the college side, as long as it's like a good piece on that side. Like I know yeah. I, my rule is don't trade NFL guys for just college guys, but I'm like, don't trade studs. Like if it's like a declining asset and that's what you can get to push you over the edge on that side, then I don't see why, not, why you, why you wouldn't do that. And I'm trying to think of a, a name off the top of my head. I can't really think of anybody. Um, what about it? Uh, I was going to say Damian Martinez or like a Rashin Ali. Ali would be an interesting one. Ali yeah. would be a really, really interesting one. A guy that I don't think has that much NFL value and I know, you know, we're just talking about running backs, you know, like a Bangura, even maybe. Okay. Um, maybe a guy in that that tier. I could be comfortable with it. I wouldn't love it, but I if that's the best I could get and I wasn't necessarily competing next year, I think I'd be fine getting a return like that for a guy like Dalvin Cook. And that probably goes for most of the names on this list, although I think he has the most juice of any of the running backs that we have left here that are free agents. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that as well. Uh, the next name we have on the list here is Ezekiel Elliott. I think he is probably just about cooked. He might have one more hurrah in him, and by a hurrah, like an RB2 type of a season. Um, but I think he's just about done. But I think everybody kind of realizes that, too. I, you know, I think DeAndre Hopkins, Dalvin Cook still have the most value on this list, and I think pe- most people realize that. These other guys... You would talk about declining assets. I mean, I, I haven't seen where they've been going startups lately, but I'm sure it's late. Oh, it's got to be late. And I'm not, I don't play any NFL best ball at all. It's just not my genre. It would just be me flushing money down the toilet. Um, but I do think a guy like Elliot or Fournette or, you know, whoever else would be a mi- mildly appealing in a best ball format. Yeah. Because the likelihood of them just signing onto a team that runs into running back depth issues and squirting out 800 yards and four touchdowns this year or something and being mildly startable depending on the week um, is probably more likely than me actually having that person on my roster and ever feeling not completely disgusting. Like I need to shower if I'm putting them <laughs> in, into my lineup on any given week. So 
Um, I don't like I, I I get that they're they're probably some value there. And if you can get them for like really, really cheap, then I think they're really, really interesting players. But I don't I don't I, I haven't seen a lot of deals of people selling them this offseason. So I don't even know what the starting point in terms of like how cheap people are looking to go that you you could do, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like most people are are in a holding pattern with them. But let's say you are not contending at all. You want to sell them. You want to get them off of your roster. What like tier of freshmen would you trade them for? Trade. Let's yeah. Let's just start with Ezekiel Elliott. Like, is there a freshman that you can think of that you would trade for Zeke, and you would be comfortable getting that freshman back? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, if I'm if I'm buying him with a freshman, I don't know that I'm going any better than like a like a like a Malachi Coleman type of guy. Okay like that kind of range like i'm thinking so like the, we, we've talked a lot on this show like we have you know our top 14 or so guys that are kind of all in like you know mm -hmm. it's kind of broken in half like seven and seven or you can kind of you know break between that group however you want and then there's kind of a group behind it that contains like four quarterbacks four to five running backs and a couple of receivers i actually think i don't love the receivers in that range i'll, I'll go a different direction and then take some of the ones further down the list um but like I, I wouldn't trade like the four quarterbacks in that tier are probably in terms of just popular whatever Lenora Sellers, uh, Austin Novosad, uh, Aiden Childs, and Jaden Rashada. I wouldn't trade any of those guys for Ezekiel Elliott right now. No. Looking at some of the running backs in that tier, it's like Kedrick Riscano, um, um, uh, uh, Love at uh, Notre Dame, Caleb Jackson at LSU. Um, there might August be one. Yeah, Augustov. I I don't know that I would trade any of uh, maybe Augustov. I mean, it would I, I wouldn't really be itching to trade any of those guys. So like, yeah, I, I I think you're kind of looking into the tier after that, which depending on the player pool in your league is like a fourth or fifth round supplemental draft pick ish, which is not you don't feel great about acquiring that if you have Zeke. And I don't know, like I don't know if you feel great about giving that away either. You're like, well, this could be a guy that maybe helps me a little more than Zeke, who has like one year left, maybe if he's lucky. Yeah, so my thought was like in the Dontavious Braswell, uh, probably Jeremiah Cobb in that range, if we're just looking at running backs. That's kind of what my thought was looking at with these guys. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, you probably aren't the most comfortable getting that back if you're giving up Zeke. But you also might not necessarily want to give that up. Like, I feel like Zeke's just a tough guy to move right now, which is probably why we haven't seen too many uh it's probably why we haven't seen too many uh, trades with zeke at least not that i've seen floater around out there i i haven't seen any in leagues that i'm in yet i'm sure obviously I, dlf has that tool where it like pulls all the trades off of mfl and you can see what he's moved for lately um i'm sure there's some trades on there that somebody could go look at and tell me what he's gone for recently um but yeah he's there it's just you it's almost like and you really don't want to well they're actually the kind of running back that I probably don't mind buying this time of year because they don't have a job yet. And yeah. say, say Brees Hall goes down again, or he, you know, like he, he injures his hamstring in the preseason, and it's going to be one of these kinds of things coming back from the ACL where he just needs another year. 
to kind of recover and he has the leg issues that a lot of these ACL guys have and they go and get Zeke Elliott. What does Zeke Elliott's value turn into that point? Actually, it's probably pretty decent. So I know I preach all the time, especially when people DM me, like, should I buy this running back? And I'll say, no, wait till September, October. But Zeke is actually the kind of running back that I would buy today. I'd probably buy Fournette too. And maybe even Kareem Hunt. I I didn't think Kareem Hunt looked washed last year. He just got injured. Yeah. I don't think he looked washed either. Like you said, I think he was just hurt. He was playing second fiddle to Chubb. So I, I think Kareem Hunt out of this list probably has, I mean, out of this next tier of guys, Zeke, Fournette, and Hunt, I think Hunt is probably the cheapest, but probably also has the most upside. Yeah, uh, you think he has the most upside just because he's the youngest? Is that basically the youngest logic behind that? You know, youngest pass catcher too. Um, you know, so I, I think that that helps him with the upside. But the bigger thing is going to be where these teams land, obviously. But you know, landing spot agnostic. You know, today I think Kareem Hunt probably has the most left in the tank. Uh, so he would be my pick for the guy with the highest ceiling left. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that as an answer from you. Huh. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah, I mean, I would buy. I would buy Hunt right now. I think he's dirt cheap. You could probably trade a third round rookie pick for him right now, to be honest. Probably, yeah, yeah, I could see that in like a normal dynasty league. Yeah, in a normal dynasty yeah. league, we're talking in a C two C league. You could probably trade like, you know, if somebody really wants to move up and go get somebody who's falling on the in the supplemental draft, you could probably trade like a seventh or eighth for him. I could see that, and there is a chance that he's done. I mean, I don't think so. There is a there, there is, is a chance, chance he's done. For sure. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, the last name on the list, Jarvis Landry, still a free agent. He has the type of game, too, that I think will age fairly well, where he'll at least, you know, he'll get on a roster, he'll get on the field. How much fantasy production is he going to put up for you? If I have to start him, I'm probably worried, but he could have some flex value. Uh, do you have any interest in, in Jarvis Landry at all in terms of like short term here? I really don't. I don't even think he would be a kind of guy that say your wide receiver room, the NFL team's wide receiver room gets decimated by injuries and they, they call up old Jarvis Landry. I don't even know how productive he would be in that scenario. I, I really don't think he has that much left. I mean, he wasn't the kind of guy that I, I think would have aged well based on his play style and see, I thought you, it would, you can find a lot more juice in the, you can find a lot more juice in the slot for basically nothing. I mean, that's, and that's what Jarvis Landry does. He's yeah. not going to, he's, it's no big plays. I would rather just go sign Braxton Berrios or something, you know, a guy like that, that just has again, more juice. He, I, I doubt he has any left. He's going to be a total get six yards and fall down kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, that that's kind of what, that was most of his career was just short yardage type stuff. Um, so I, I think he could still do that, but yeah, I don't think he has a, I don't think he has the outlook where you're going to want to start him at any point in time. Like maybe depending on where he ends up, he has like a flex worthy week or two, but he seems at this point in time, like he's, he might be cooked. Maybe. I, I think I, I lean that way personally. I wouldn't shock me if he never really gets another shot in the NFL. 
and just kind of fades away. And 10 years from now, everybody's talking about him as like a trivia answer. <laughs> in the, the, do you guys remember Jarvis Landry? He had that really good four-year stretch or whatever. Yeah, he was clutching fantasy, get him in the eighth round every year. I, I think that's the kind of guy that he turns into, but most people kind of forget about him as he, as he kind of fades away here. Fair enough. All right, we'll get into the show, the part of the show that you actually care about. Finally. We'll talk about the 2024 class versus the 2025 class, position by position. We'll start with the quarterbacks in 2024, and I think we talked a little bit about a pre-show. This is a really, really interesting group. I mean, obviously, we have the top-end guys, Caleb Williams, Drake May. We have Quinn Ewers, who, uh, you know, I, I still have – hope for Quinn Ewers. I still think he's going to be a first round NFL quarterback. Are you still there or are you more that he needs to prove it still to get to that first round draft capital? I think he's there unless he falls on his face. I was going to say, what do, what do you think? What kind of a year wouldn't get him there or what kind of year would do you, in your opinion? I honestly think even like a, an average year would get him drafted in the first round still. Now, it might not be top five. It might not be top 10. He might not go until pick, you know, 30. But I think even an average year, Quinn Ewers will be like, you know, the end of the first. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up a stinker of a year where he gets hurt again or he only throws for, 24 2500 yards and you know 22 to 24 touchdowns something along those lines then maybe he doesn't but i still think he's closer to being a top 10 quarterback than he is falling out of the first round i the past couple years we've asked this question on this show and i think I think largely we haven't really been incorrect overall where there's always been a guy or two and everyone's well who's the QB three and it's why does there need to be a QB three in a class why can't there just be two guys and we were 100% correct two years ago with actually I mean none of the guys that anybody thought was good but like we were like there's just no other guy that's really going to step up here and then pick it kind of just got pity selected at a default by the Steelers because they didn't want to have another Dan Marino situation on their hands, which very much upsets me. But that's a different discussion for a different day. I don't know that we just need another QP3 in this class. I, I think you've got Williams and you've got May, and teams are really going to jockey for one of those guys. And I actually just think that all of them belong in the quote-unquote other category as of today. I know okay. this is the time of year where all of the outlets and stuff are kind of projecting they're doing their, their way too early 2024 mock drafts and and everyone wants to put five or six QBs in there because then one of them gets drafted in the first round and you can go see I had him in my way too early mock draft uh, eight months ago and you look like a uh, smarty pants but really you're in dipshit because you're um, just throwing darts and hoping something hits and all these names are the ones that you see Quinn Ewers Kyle McCord Penix JJ McCarthy and this guy just spoiling the show sheet over Jordan here. Travis. I'm not going to read all those names. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to. A those are the guys you see in the first, in, in a lot of these, these way too early mock drafts. And I think maybe one or I think Quinn makes the most sense to put there because of his pedigree, 
being at Texas. I think the perception, whether correct or incorrect, that he was really good before he got injured last year in the very brief time that we saw him. And then there's nobody else that's done anything close to get themselves there. I'm sorry. There's nobody else in this class that deserves to be even in that discussion. Nobody is not close at all. I would, yeah, I would largely agree with that. Um, I think Kyle McCord has not done anything. I think he could do something to get into that discussion this year, depending on the type of year that he has. Um, I think if there's a fourth guy out of all the other names that we we talked about there that, that you rattled off and spoiled on the show sheet, um, you know, out of Kyle McCord, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Jordan Travis, Cam Ward, Carson Beck, Shador Sanders, Van, Tyler Van Dyke, Devin Leary, Jackson Dart, Jaden Dan, Daniels. Um, Jalen Daniels, maybe even too. I don't know. Um, I, I think he deserves to be in the discussion more than Jaden at this stage. Maybe I'm crazy on that. What you th- I, I have him ranked way above Jaden in our rankings. Um, yeah, I have him ranked ahead of Jaden too. I think the one thing that will be gut working in Jaden Daniels' favor is um, he's playing at LSU, who people are projecting to be a good team this year. So I think that could give him the edge in the NFL's eyes over Jalen Daniels. Uh, but I don't think either of them are going to be early draft picks. Um, Jalen Daniels could could put it together this year. I mean, he had some flashes last year. You know, maybe he takes a step and maybe he gets some day two buzz. But I don't see it at this point. And I don't see it from Jalen Daniels either. Yeah, I mean, I we always talk about Everyone talks about it. it QB projection is difficult. I don't think we do it better than anybody else. You know, I would, I'm not going to sit here and say that we plant our flag on projecting quarterbacks better because that'll just make us look like jerks when that's not true. Um, but I, I, I just look at all these guys and I'm just, I, I, there's not even, Unlike last year, where at least when we were having a conversation about Anthony Richardson and Will Levis to an extent, and we were saying just they have X and Y tool in their tool belt, and that's why they could be considered. If we're looking at some of these guys, I don't know what tools that a lot of these guys really kind of check off that make you interested in them or at least think that they can get there. I mean, I don't think any of these guys really have a canon. Joe Milton's the closest one, which you can be. Oh, you I didn't put Joe left Milton off. here. Yeah. He's like the only toolsy guy. And I think Jalen Dan- Daniels probably fits there too. But none of these other guys are that toolsy one way or the other. You know, Travis is mobile, but I wouldn't say he's an amazing runner. And he, his arm, like his arm and stuff is fine, but he's closer to, he's closer to Jaron Hall than he is to Anthony Richardson as like a, yeah. as a prospect. Let's just be completely honest here. Um, if I had to put cash today on one of these players that we listed in kind of the the other category, it actually might be Bo Nix, just because I think some team is going to forgive him of the first three years when he went from a bad, like a bad but not awful situation in a tough conference to a the easiest situation you can find in one of the lesser Power Five conferences. Like I think the cognitive dissonance that is going to occur in some of these people's heads is just going to be fantastic. And he has enough (laughs) traits to be interesting enough that I could see an NFL team talking him into it, but it'll be a mistake. 
Like, I don't think it's a good decision if somebody were to do that. Yeah, I would, I could I would probably agree with that. I, I think out of the other category, and we, I put Kyle on the show sheet, I put Kyle McCord above the other categories, um, but you could put him in the other categories there. I think he has the probably the best chance to be that QB four. Um, and then after that, I, I know Felix is, is really in on Carson Beck and so is Mike. I, give give Mike his his props to Valerie. He he is a Carson Beck guy. Okay. Mike is in on Carson Beck too. I'm not out on Carson Beck. I just don't think he has anything in his tool belt that says first round quarterback. He just screams to me like a second round, low upside, long term NFL starter. Or like long term NFL backup, not a starter. Sorry. Um, like long-term NFL backup where he could maybe get some spot starts here and there. Um, I, I put him pretty similarly in the same bucket as like Tyler Van Dyke and Devin Leary. I think all three of those guys are going to end up being fairly similar. Like the NFL will look at them and be like, this guy could maybe start for us. They could be okay. I, of all these players, weirdly Leary is kind of my favorite but I think the situation, he's the kind of guy where the situation around him has to be really, really good for him to succeed. And when it's not, he he kind of struggles. So if you told me that he gets drafted in the fourth round by a perennial content, think since the Bengals take him or something and something were to happen to Burrow, for some games, he seems like the kind of guy that would step in and be fine and then potentially get a, a Jimmy G kind of trade package for him or something like that. And I don't think that he's that kind of quality of player necessarily, but I, I could kind of see that being how his career unfolds. I still I still like Leary, and he he was injured last year, and that NC State team kind of fell apart at the seams a little bit, weren't, weren't quite as good as we thought they were going to be. But I think him at Kentucky this year, we'll see how their line is, but um, some new life for him there i think i largely agree with that uh definitely some new life for him i think he has a, a good opportunity this year to improve his his perception his, his draft stock um before we move on to the 2025 quarterbacks i just want to ask you about mccarthy i know he's been a popular name lately and i'm sure i would get a dm from at least two people uh at our site if, if you know Corey and and chris if they listen to this i'm not sure that they actually listen to the show chris probably doesn't um but i'm sure i would get a dm from them if we didn't talk about mccarthy for at least a minute um what are your thoughts on mccarthy as a pro prospect how compared to all of these other right now no um compared so, to all of these other quarterbacks on this list so let me just i think i have to spend 30 seconds or so kind of detailing I have never been particularly high on McCarthy, but I don't want that to, I'm trying to recognize and not let that seep into what we've seen the past, not even really two years, like year and a game. And, and my opinion of him hasn't really changed. I still think he's the kind of guy that struggles deep a little bit. I think he still thrives way better outside of structure than he does within an offense itself. And I think the tools are 
good, not great. They're not the kind of thing that they're so good that it would make me overlook some of the other deficiencies in his game. And contrary, I know Chris K keeps pumping this <laughs> just <laughs> god awful propaganda from just stupid sources in our company Slack about. <laughs> Michigan wants to pass more. They're going to open up the offense more this year. I just don't believe that at all. I don't think we'll ever get a stretch of games. Like there might be a, a third or fourth quarter where they have to open it up because they're down or something. And that's when we'll, we'll really see it, but we'll never get 15 quarters in a row or, you know, 20 quarters in a row of, of them kind of opening up an offense and seeing what JJ McCarthy can do. So we won't even have the evidence to say, well, when they just let him sling it, he did really, really well because they really have never done that a little bit against TCU. And he was, he made some back breaking decisions in that game. I just, I don't see him ever getting to that point where I think he's interesting. I think he's a day two quarterback, probably at best. I think he can make himself a little career in the NFL, but I don't see a guy there that is super interesting to me from a, uh, a, like a Debbie angle or from, if I'm playing in a C2C league, a CFF angle. I don't think he gets there this year either. I think you have to project a pretty large uptick in uh, opportunities there when they're bringing both the running backs back from last year, and they're not going to do that. They also don't have anybody to throw it to. That's a totally different discussion. Yeah, I I, I agree with, with what you said there with McCarthy. I, I don't see it from a CFF perspective. I don't think they open that offense up. Uh, I think there is, it's a little bit more intriguing from an NFL perspective because I think an NFL team could talk themselves into McCarthy, um, you know, given the success that he's had, that he's at Michigan, um, uh, you know, uh, he has some tools as well. So I could see an NFL team talking themselves into McCarthy, but not a first rounder. I don't think he would be a first rounder. Uh, but last question on this is because it literally just popped into my head. Um, Let's say Kenny Pickett gets hit by a bus tomorrow and the Steelers have to draft one of these guys, one of these quarterbacks outside of the top three in Williams, May, and yours. Which one would you want the Steelers to take? It's uh, a good question. Um, I'm trying to think of just kind of the offense that they're running and what they ask of their quarterback and then seeing. I don't think they would have the patience to develop a guy like Penix. They 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 typically don't draft older guys, and if they do, like Pickett, for example, they're kind of already there toward the the final product. So I I don't think they'd go for a guy like Penix or Travis uh, at all. Um, I honestly think a guy a guy like Van Dyke would probably be interesting to them. I'm not saying that would be my choice necessarily, but I could see them doing that because he has flashed a little bit. He's got some decent tools. He wasn't great last year, but he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions, which I think they value a lot of the quarterback position. Um, so a guy like that, I mean, I think McCord probably falls in that bucket too, but it seems like they're, they want a little more of a mobile guy and McCord is not very mobile. He is Matt Ryan ish as an athlete, as a quarterback, he might be faster in a sprint or whatever than Matt Ryan. Um, I don't know what his GPS times in practice say, but I, I don't really care about that. I, I don't think he's, he's a good enough athlete. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, into the 2025 quarterbacks here. And I think this group is still largely unproven. They were freshmen last year. Um, you know, Kate Klubnick started a couple games. Connor Wigman started a couple games. Drew Alar got on the field uh, and threw some passes. We didn't see Devin Brown at 
all. Um, and there really wasn't anybody else uh, that I think is in this discussion anymore. Um, I think it's really just those four and maybe somebody else emerges, somebody goes back from the 2024 class and then comes out that year to, to make that quarterback class, you know, a little bit stronger. But at this point in time, I think the 2025 quarterback class is looking weaker than this 2024 class. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really like to make the determination of the strength of a quarterback class a year into it because the odds of us seeing most of these guys yet is pretty low. I mean, who have we really seen out of this group? We've seen a couple of games out of Kate at the end of the year. We saw a couple of games out of Wegman, and then we saw a pass here or there from Aller, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little hesitant to declare a QB class good or bad two years out. I mean, what we said about last year's class, it's the 2024 class, it's Caleb Williams and then a bunch of nothing. And then, you know, May May has stepped up to at least give a second guy. I, I think it's it's a really tough one. I know we're obviously just you know having a discussion here, so you want an actual answer out of me. But I think well, it's, it would be nice. I'm slippery. You can't pin me down like that. Um, <laughs> I just think it's too hard to say this far out. I mean, Devin Brown could could start not like not this coming year, but the year after that and be really, really good. And all of a sudden this class has some legs or something like that. So I, I don't think it's going to be a bad class. No, I don't. Will it be the most amazing class ever? Maybe not, but I like it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, you said you don't think Devin Brown starts this year at all. You don't think he McCord going to get the hook at any point. I thought there would have been a chance if he hadn't injured the finger before the spring game, but I think unless McCord either gets hurt or is just an abject failure, I don't think that we see Brown. That's just my read on the situation. And that's not even necessarily saying that McCord is so much better than Devin Brown. I just think that's the, the coaching staff has essentially made the decision and the spring game performance or non-performance plays into that for them pretty significantly because they're supposedly really close so you know i think that's a separator fair enough is there anybody on this 2025 list that i didn't mention that you think warrants mentioning at this point in time right now i mean i know you said you don't like to make a determination one year in because we haven't seen a lot of these guys but is there anybody that you have a close eye on for this year from that 2025 class. I mean, I do think Wegman is a guy that I'm really, really keeping an eye on because I do think that he has a lot of the tools to be successful. I had four tier two quarterbacks in that class, uh, Simpson, Klubnik, Stockton, and him. No, did Stockton have that make Stockton might have been a tier three guy. I don't remember. But those those were kind of my next my next group of guys there. And I think he as of today has the best shot to kind of uh, make a name for himself and catapult himself up a little bit. The other guy that I think could show out and bump his name up is Garrett Nussmeyer. Oh, and okay. we're, we probably won't see him before then. So like, even though he's eligible, he's technically a 2024 guy. He's not going to come out next year because we've never seen him play, but he gets right. that job the year after. And I think he could be pretty good and kind of become maybe the second or third guy in the class. He feels like a guy that could rise to me and he's still extremely cheap 
in leagues. I just saw Felix just got him in a supplemental draft in like the 14th round, which is just bonkers. And I don't think you're usually going to find him that cheap, but he's very, very cheap right now. A lot of these stash guys are him, Connor Harrell, um, MJ Morris. A lot of these guys that really are just, you're taking one year out are, are really, really cheap right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's not really anybody that I'm keeping that close of an eye on either outside of those top names, which it's why I'm kind of leaning towards this class the 2025 class is going to be weaker as a whole. Uh, but like you said, you know, we haven't seen that much of these guys. People could definitely emerge this year. Uh, moving into the running back class. Uh, and I think the 2024, 2025 running back classes are looking fairly similar to me at this point. I mean, we've seen more out of the 2024 guys. So I think we feel a little bit better about them, but I think there's just as much potential in the 2025. Um, you know, 2024, we're looking at Raheem Sanders, Travion Henderson, Braylon Allen, Jace McClellan, Donovan Edwards, Trey Benson, probably some of the top names in there. Will Shipley, maybe depending on how you feel about him still. You know, 2025, we're looking at Singleton, uh, Judkins, Branson Robinson, Jam Miller, Trevor Etienne, maybe some Katron Allen in there as well. I was well. going to say, I'm surprised you don't have Katron on there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like Katron too. Uh, it's, it's hard to put a guy too high on the list who's sharing a backfield um, as much as I think he's going to be when unless they have, you know, freak athletic traits or freak size like Singleton and you know, even Branson Robinson to to an extent. Um, but out of the these 2024, 2025 guys at the running back position, do you have a strong preference at this point in time with the class? Like, do you lean one's going to be stronger than the other? No, I think, like you said, they're pretty equal right now. Although I think if Travion has, uh, turns back the, the clock a little bit and looks like he did as a freshman, then I think he probably tips the balance a little bit that way because I, I really, I mean, I, I think I've said it a lot on campus life this year. I just think right now, Jace McClellan, we said it, we did the, we did the, the, the reveal, the Christmas yeah. in, in June thing. And we were both the same. Jace McClellan mm-hmm. is stone cold, the best value right now in, in C2C leagues in terms of like guys that actually are earning fairly significant capital. He's going like the fourth round of drafts and that's way too late for him. I think there's a legitimate chance that Jace McClellan ends up as a first round draft pick. Oof. I, I think I he can get there. I think a big year for Alabama for a guy that is going to run sub four five, weighs over 210 pounds already, probably weighs in at like 215 to 218 at the combine. And literally his entire freshman year and half of the sophomore year, they just use him as a receiving back. We know he's got receiving chops. Is he an amazing receiver? No, he's not amazing, but he can do a lot of things as a receiver. So he's got a three-down skill set. And, and again, he's got that big red A. Or well, I think the A is white, but the helmet's red <laughs> on the side of his helmet. <laughs> so I think that I, – I still think – I think he really can tip the scales toward the 2024 class a little bit. So I will give the advantage to the, the 2024 running backs. But I do think there's a collection of guys in 2025 that are particularly interesting in the others category that we could – get some good years out of, including a guy like Dallin Hayden at Ohio state. I think mm. we haven't heard the last from him yet. I think he's really, really intriguing at the moment. And he could by the end of this kind of be the uh, two or three in that class in 2025. I, I love that you brought up Dallin Hayden. I, I, I didn't put him on that, 
on the uh, others list there, but I think he, he's a perfect example in that. I think Dallin Hayden is a guy who is going way too cheap right now, and people are just – it's a little too short-sighted because, yes, he's right now sharing a backfield with Travion Henderson with Mayan Williams. Is he going to get a lot of work this year? Probably not. It would take injuries to one of them for him to see enough carries that you will really take notice. And it would take injuries to both of them for him to actually have a substantial year. But I think both of those guys are going to be gone after this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mayan's going to be out of eligibility. And then Travion could come back, but I don't think he will. Uh, so I think Dallin Hayden's going to be the guy for Ohio State in um, 2024, and I think that's going to be yeah, that's going to lead to him having a nice year. So yeah, I could see him getting up to. I don't think he'd jump Singleton. I don't think he would jump Judkins, but I have Branson Robinson as my RBE three in that class right now, and I like Branson Robinson. I really do. I think he's very talented, but I could see Hayden jumping him by the time that they both declare. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do really like Hayden. I think we talked about him on the show even before he was a uh, freshman, basically saying, like, we really liked him. We just thought mm-hmm. Ohio State were going to have to wait for a long time. So he wasn't a super appealing guy to draft last offseason where you knew you were going to have to wait at least two years. I think he's a lot more palatable now that you're only probably having to wait one year. And as we talked about this week on Campus Life, how we generally approach any kind of draft, but particularly supplementals, is that if there's not a realistic path to some sort of significant opportunity by the second year of you rostering a player, they're not worth rostering. So, you know, two years ago, probably wasn't that intriguing to you. He was a very late round player, but now I think he's as intriguing as anybody. I think he's just as intriguing as a guy like Jarquez Hunter, who's at Auburn. I think he's just as intriguing as a guy like Damian Martinez at Oregon state because I think he has more upside than him in the long run. I, I think he falls squarely. Uh, I would rather have him than CJ Donaldson or Jaquin Jackson, kind of some of those um, uh, hype type guys that haven't really done it for a full year yet. I think he's he's more talented than any of those guys, and he has the program behind him to boot. And I think, again, having the Ohio State on the side of your helmet matters quite a bit. Yeah, I agree with that. Like I said, I'm glad you brought him up. Um, in the 2025 class, the last guy that I want to get your thoughts on as the running back here is Jam Miller. Uh, we talked about Jace McClellan. We think he's going to be in line for a big year this year. Things of great value. Uh, but if you rewind the clock back to last year, he was, I mean, we talked about how cheap he is now comparatively. He was even cheaper last year. I mean, there were drafts where I got him in like the ninth round. Um, or, you know, sometimes I've seen him even fall a little bit later than that, you know, like rounds eight, nine, 10, I think was typically where you could find him in, in some leagues. And I think that's going to be Jim Miller this year, uh, where you could probably find him in that eight round, eight, nine, 10 range. Do you think he's going to be able to have the type of a jump that Jace McClellan did? if we fast forward this to next year? Yeah, it's tough. Cause I think Haynes is going to be a thorn in his side. Um, I I'm, pretty on record, I think, for saying that I don't think Haynes takes that job. Like, I don't think he he is a sophomore. Haynes owns the Alabama backfield. I think there's a very low likelihood of that happening, especially with uh, Jam there and Richard Young there and and maybe one or two other guys added into that. Um, But 
I don't feel great about Miller ever. McClellan has a chance to own that backfield himself. I don't think Jam does. I don't think he will ever own that backfield himself, which I think hurts him a little bit. But I do have, it's funny, I'm just looking at my Debbie rankings. I had McClellan, Haynes, and Miller, 8, 9, and 10. I did not <laughs> intend to do that. That's just how this has ended up shaking out. And I, it is McClellan, then Haynes, then then Jam is the order that I have them. And I think that's probably the the correct order. I think they'll all get plenty of touches there. But in terms of just a guy that can show that they're the guy, I think McClellan has the best chance of doing that. And then, you know, Haynes and, and Haynes could do it after Jam leaves. So Haynes probably has a better chance of doing it at any point than Jam Miller does, if that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. I actually, that's how I have them ranked as well with that in mind. I have McClellan at eight, Haynes at nine, Jam at 12 uh, for my Debbie rankings, my RBs. Because uh, I do think they're, is a low likelihood that Jam completely owns that backfield, like you were saying. I think just just as Haynes is good enough that he will force it to be a split. Um, but I, there is a possibility if Jam does leave, you know, in 2025 when he's eligible, that we could see Haynes own that backfield that year. Um, whereas I don't think that ha- that happens with jam. So I do agree with, with, with what you said there. I, that's pretty much exactly the same reason I have them ranked as I do, but I do think we could see a, uh, not quite as big of a rise for jam that we saw at a Jace, but I, I think we could see a really nice rise at a jam for next year. I think jam's probably going a little too cheap right now. One guy that we didn't talk about at all here in this equation is Devin Neal. Okay. And I still think he's interesting. And I think the difference between him and a guy like Sean Tucker, who I think is going to be the natural comparison because they were both too lowly rated and they both went to non-traditional. Well, I know Syracuse has some football history way back in the eighties or whatever. Um, But like non real traditional football schools. Right. But I think Neil is a little more versatile. And obviously part of the reason Tucker fell so far as we found out late in the process was uh, heart condition of some sort. And to my knowledge, I mean, we obviously won't know till next year that right. Devin Neal we're going to assume does not have any of those issues. So I think I feel, I, I don't feel like, oh, I was burned on Sean Tucker. I'm going to get burned on Devin Neal. I don't think it's terribly analogous. So I'm not worried about Neal. I still have Neal as my RB14 overall. Okay. Debbie, I actually prefer him to Trey Benson because I think the upside is a little better. So we'll see what happens. Okay. I like that inclusion there. I mean, I have him as my RB 18 in Debbie, so I'm not too far behind you there. Um, there, I mean, there were a couple other guys that I could have put on the list, but I, I kind of already know your thoughts on them, like a Blake Corum, like a Marshawn Lloyd. Um, you know, we talked a little, you, you mentioned it Quinton Jackson. So like there were definitely more guys we could have brought up, but one guy that I think could be a riser next year. And I'm on record as saying this is I think if Logan Diggs ends up getting that job, like the job at LSU reuniting with his former coach. They don't really have that much there. I think Diggs is a big guy to watch this year. I think he's really interesting in C2Cs and I definitely wouldn't discount if he goes out and runs for 1300 yards in the SEC next year that he ends up going the third or fourth round, like a Damian Pierce ish kind of value coming out of the NFL draft. I really think that could be a possibility for him. He's a guy that I'm really targeting in leagues right now. If he's hanging around out there. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that's a fair point about him reuniting with his, his past coach. I think he's 
like slightly better than a Jag. So if he can do that in the SEC, I could see the NFL valuing that. They want to run it, and they don't yep. really have anybody else there. I mean, Emery still sounds like he has not gotten academic eligibility stuff figured out, which to me screams that they didn't. It wasn't the somebody messing up. Did you hear that initial yeah. story with him? That yeah. They like advised, advised him to take the yeah. wrong course or something, and it ended up making him ineligible because he didn't have a certain amount of credits. And it's a year later, and he still hasn't figured that out. So, whoops! I, I think that that story is stinky. probably bogus. Smells yeah. like smells like poo poo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving into the wide receiver position, and I think this is another really interesting comparison between 2024 and 2025. Obviously, 2024 we have Marvin Harrison Jr. and there is no. Marvin Harrison Jr. level prospect in 2025. There wasn't a Marvin Harrison Jr. level prospect in 2023. So I think we just completely remove him from the conversation, at least at this point. I think I I realize that's not necessarily fair because that having him in there does really strengthen the 2024 wide receiver group. Um, but he's a tier zero player for you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I kind of figured. I mean, he is he is for me as well at this point. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is a certified stud, could I, potentially go top five. I think I only have two tier zero players in college right now. I think him and um, um, Caleb yep. are. Caleb them. Williams. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, so we'll remove him from the conversation. So 2024, then we're looking at Emeka Ibuka, Xavier Worthy, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, and Jalen McMillan, the duo at Washington. Um, Devontae's Walker. There's definitely feel, some others. I feel like you should have Troy Franklin on this list, whether we think that highly of him or not. I think he's probably a little too distinguished to be in the others category here. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I was looking at him and I, I do think he it warrants in not being in the others. So Troy Franklin at Oregon, um, the strength of the 2024 class, Marvin Harrison jr. Removed. How, how strong do you think this class is looking at this point in time? If we take away the best player in the class, how does it look? Right. If you take uh, away the player's longest run, he he sucked. He's actually average. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting potential here. I still stand by my previous statements that Emek Egbuka is basically Juju Smith Schuster, like early career Juju Smith Schuster before the knee injuries that have kind of sapped him. People forget. He's got two 99-yard touchdowns on his resume. Like he mm-hmm. was an explosive guy when he was younger, but now his knees are apparently just toast, and he, he's had some other uh, issue, health issues as well. But I think that's kind of who Egbuka is as a player. I, which means I think he's really, really good, but I don't think he's a star kind of guy. Okay, that's been my comp for him since day one. Is Juju. So I think that's where he slots in. Some of these other guys, I think, have some pretty good potential overall. I think I still, I I do still like Xavier worthy. I still think he can be a day one guy. I think it's more likely that he goes early second round, but I think that he's, he's in the discussion. And then after him though, I don't feel that great about any of these guys being in the first round discussion. I don't think neighbors, I think neighbors is kind of one of those Jack of all trades, master of none as a receiver. So I think he's, a good player, but again, probably more of a day two guy. I still think a Dunze, he has a profile of a big outside guy, so I think he could be moderately intriguing, but I don't love don't love the player. 
Same for McMillan. I think he's probably a slot guy, which you can limit him. Like I think all these other guys have like a thing wrong with them. So it's just going to be up to the NFL teams to decide how much that thing that's wrong matters to them. So we'll. I, I think maybe three of these guys go round one or four max. But I don't feel great mixing and matching to figure out who like the third and fourth guy are. I mean, if you told me this time last year, Zay Flowers would have been in that discussion, I would have laughed. So yeah, there could conceivably be a the year guy before that, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good one. Honestly, I'm shocked Alave went with where he did, even though I feel like I was pretty much pounding the drum saying the fourth year doesn't matter for him at all. I still would never have guessed that he would go top ten or 11th or wherever he went and, and be as good as he was. So it's, there's surprises every year at that position for sure. Yeah. Uh, where do you think Devontae Walker slots in into this conversation? Obviously we haven't seen it at the power five level yet. So it is a lot of projection, uh, but I am, I am fairly high on Devontae Walker. I think he could out of all of the other guys on this list. I think he's the most likely to get round one. Maybe a Dunze sneaks in there, just sheer production for two years in a row. But I think Devontae Walker has a better chance of going round one than Malik Neighbors does. Agree or disagree? Walker's problem is he has such a narrow whatever that he has to go through this year. If he's yeah. not really good, he's not going to go day one. He has to show that he can step up and do it. Power five for a major, uh, you know, a major program. The plus side is that he's got Drake Mays as quarterback. He's probably going to make him mm-hmm. look look good. So and he'll have eyes on him with Drake May. And he is an ex- he is an exceptional athlete. He's not the one percent athlete, but he or ninety ninth percentile or however you want to say it. But he's probably not that m- many percentiles off of that either. So in the NFL, as we've learned, really doesn't care about the age wide receiver thing like we do. So I think his floor. Where did Christian Watson go? Like uh, draft pick one. I know uh, it was second round, I believe. I think that Christian, if he has a good year, Christian Watson's range is his floor as a draft prospect. Okay. Okay. Do you th- in terms do you of think, draft capital? Right. Do you think there's a, a window where he that he could thread that needle and get into the first round? I think he has to have at least 1,200 yards plus this year. I think okay. UNC has to be pretty good because, again, if they're bad, they'll say, well, you know, it's not Drake May's fault. It's the surrounding cast, and I think that will hurt him. And I think he has to crush the combine. But I do think that's that part's very possible. If okay. he's healthy, he will be one of the better testers at the combine. Um, it's just going to be the production in season. Can he do it? It's possible. I, I think it's more likely just with his – weird meandering past that he goes a little later than that. Yeah. I think the most likely scenario is like a, a mid to late second round pick, but I, I see a, I see a first rounder in there. If you, you know, spit shine and polish it up just a little bit. Um, the 2025, there's a lot of really intriguing names here. Um, Luther Burden, Antonio Williams, Evan Stewart, Barry and Brown, Tet McMillan were kind of the names that I picked out here. There's certainly other ones, um, but at, this group is really intriguing to me. I think there are um, all five of those guys, I think, have some really nice potential at the NFL level. Um, so I think that gives them, that gives the 2025 
class a chance to be better than the 2024 class? Again, if you remove Marvin Harrison Jr. If you remove, this is good. Is if you remove <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr., then makes it look good. Yeah, I, I do think that if you remove Marvin Harrison Jr., that that class could be just as good. Um, but you can't can't really do that, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. But all right, so let's compare him to the 2023 guys then. 2023. Yes, this most okay. recent rookie class. Um, you want to compare 2024? Sorry, I'm. Just, do you want 2025? 2025 to 2025. Okay. Yeah. Because like Marvin Harrison Jr. just makes that wide receiver class so much stronger when you have an absolute stud at the top like that. It's true. And it's true. There's probably not another guy like that. So if you took the the next five guys and put up up against these five guys, man, it's pretty close. I still I still really like I mean Antonio Williams is my my new well, not new man crush. I've been high on him for forever but antonio williams yes. clemson i think that williams stewart brown kind of combo i think at least two of those guys are going to be legit yeah so i feel really really good about investing in that group i actually don't really like investing in barry and brown anymore i think his cost has gotten a little further ahead of where i want it to be uh, a little more comfortable dipping into williams and stewart because i think um, I think I just think they'll have better statistical years than he will. Um, but I think those guys make me feel really good about this class. Whereas again, like after you you take MH, MH, MHJ out of it, and then you've got all these huge question marks about Worthy and Neighbors and Adunze and McMillan. Like I don't think those guys will have those kinds of big questions about them. Yeah. I would agree with that. Is there anybody else on the 2025 class at wide receiver that you think, or, or even 2024, um, that should be mentioned in here that I didn't bring up yet? I think Malik Benson probably belongs in the conversation if he plays well in 20 in 2024. He he could be a name to monitor. I know I've been well. I think there's a honestly I have a lot of guys, but they're not really that proven yet. I think Ad Mitchell now at Texas is really really interesting. I think JoJo Earl could sneak himself in there with another good year. I know people are high now on Keon Coleman. I, th- I think he's intriguing. Um, I'm surprised you didn't talk at all about your guy, Elijah Badger, but he falls into this group. Antoine Wells is becoming a hot name uh, at South Carolina. And again, my my guy, hashtag my guy, and the, the Debbie guy this year was Jeremy Bernard, who I still think people have not caught on to him yet either. Yeah, I agree on Bernard. Um, I know you guys were just talking about the the wide receiver room at Washington mm-hmm. in uh, on Debbie Debate. You listened. I always listen. I don't listen live because I'm not usually up like watching something that late. Like at 930, I'm usually doing other stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jer- Jeremy Bernard is going to be like the next guy up there. Um, a, a guy that just super deep that off the <laughs> off of the radar right now, and this gets uh, maybe too far off in the discussion, but it's a guy that I just want to at least like mention his name because he's a guy that uh, the staff there at Washington really seems to like. It's Denzel Boston, a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's 6'4", 185. Um, they talked him up in the spring, and they used him in, in a couple different ways. They used him like 
in the backfield, carrying some pat, uh, carrying the ball once or twice. So I, I think he's a really intriguing name if you're talking about next guys up. But that's really deep. Is he related to David Boston? Uh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Uh, I'm done asking those types of questions, though, because I get made fun of whenever I ask that question. <laughs> we we have been <laughs> horribly behind the scenes mocked and ridiculed i don't usually 24 7 will have like a little you know is related to whoever and i yeah. do not see it on his 24 7 profile which leads me to believe probably not um that he is not but well okay. i'll do some more research and get back to you on that Colin. okay um all right well we'll move into the tight ends here and i think this will be a short discussion because 2024 has brock bowers it has jt sanders Maybe Michael Trigg, if he can actually put it together for a season and not just a spring. Um, I mean, he's old enough, yeah. Yeah. And then 2025, maybe Oscar Delp. But is there anybody else that we really care about at tight end outside of those guys? Is there anybody else that you think warrants a discussion at this point in time? No, not today. And maybe, again, somebody grows into it. Um, but uh, today, I don't, I don't have any good answers really no nobody that i'm spending significant draft capital on if that's i yeah. i probably probably have to, to at least say the name johnny wilson so that somebody doesn't come after you but i still <laughs> oh you're lumping it. him in as a tight um, end is that not i thought that was the assumption now that he's going to play tight end that's phil Steele has the, in his draft thing as him as a tight end that it seems like that's Does the direction he? everybody's been yes interesting well florida state has three tight ends now because they brought in uh, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. They also brought in Kyle Morlock from the uh, D, I think it was D2 level, who's D2. intriguing. Yeah. He was like a monster in D2. He's like 6'5, 250, 260. I mean, they're going to use him as a receiver, but it seems like the NFL is considering him a tight end for ah, prospecting okay. purposes. So that's uh, fair. Yeah, like you're not going to be able to use him on a C2C roster as a tight end. Um, but I, think I don't care that's at that where, point then. That's where people are heading with him. Yeah. And that's same thing with Gadsden. Like I don't think Gadsden's even less like I think Gadsden cannot make that transition for the NFL. So he's just going to be on Tate all over again, essentially. I don't get the Gadsden stuff at all either. Okay. Fair enough. But Johnny Wilson is a good little nugget there, but I don't think there's any chance of 2025 being as good as the 2024 class one because you have Brock Bowers. But even if you remove Brock Bowers, I like JT Sanders significantly more than uh, anybody in the 2025 class. And I don't know if I see anybody getting up there. I'm a, I'm a big believer in JT Sanders. I'm lukewarm on him. I think I, he's good. I don't know that I would call myself a believer. What do you like about him? I mean, first of all, he's got the prototypical size, so he checks that box off pretty well. I think he's a good blocker, too. Uh, I think he's also a good athlete, catches the ball really well. Um, I, I think he's going to allow a team to use him in a variety of different ways. I think we're going to see him. I mean, Texas has some really nice pass catchers now, um, but I still think he's going to have a pretty a pretty significant role in that passing attack. Like I think he's just too good to not get involved. Um, so I I think JT Sanders probably not a first round tight end unless he would just destroys the combine. Uh, but I think he's very much going to go in the second round of the NFL draft, and 
I think he's going to be really good at the NFL level as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that's all a very um, fair assessment for sure. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Put a cap on the I said second to last show, second to last Canton Bound show ever for you. Uh, maybe maybe next episode we'll have to do a montage. Uh, we were talking about a pre-show with with Chris. Uh, he said the the Green Day song. Um, I was thinking the uh, I will remember you. Uh, but we'll figure that part out. But tune in to the rest of the shows on the podcast network here. After you listen to this one, go check out Future Freshmen. Uh, listen to Chasing the Natty from Monday, Campus Life Tuesdays, Back to Debbie Wednesdays, Debbie Debate on Thursdays. And then we also have The Official, which drops on Saturdays. We got something for you every single day of the week. There's never a need to leave our podcast feed. But until next time, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.